Recently on an interview, someone asked me what I thought was going to be the future of coaching, mentorship, psychotherapy, and the healing arts. Since I've been in all of these for the last 15 or 20 years. And so in this clip, I'm just going to share with you some highlights of what I think is coming on the horizon, the changes that are coming, and how that can benefit you. Hey, Adele Wong here, and welcome to the podcast where we explore all things around creating a life that truly fits you, that's fulfilling your life and livelihood, your purpose, everything coming together. You know, I've been coaching high performers now for about 15 or 20 years, and I have cycled through different domains including spiritual inquiry, energy medicine. I have had psychotherapy myself as well as have been under the directorship of somebody since I work so closely with clients. That was something that I sought out. And this thing called coaching or what I prefer mentorship. By far, I think the number one thing that's going to be coming that I think it's time um, because I don't think any of these practices have, have really bloomed into their full potential. And they will when this one additional thing starts to um, unify and filter, and filter through all of them. And that is a better understanding of embodiment. Energetic presence in the body. What I've noticed is that up to now, these things have been sort of separated spiritual inquiry over there. There might be some polyvagal theory over here, some therapy over there that is mostly cognitive. Um, And there really hasn't been anything that tied everything together. Because even in standard embodiment practices, I always felt that something was missing. And in my work, more and more, I'm recognizing the power of energetic presence, specifically sexuality. And I think this is something that we're now exploring new vocabulary, new words, new concepts, so that we can actually communicate about what the heck we're talking about. Because if I talk about energy, many times people immediately think of energy healing in the classic sense of chakra clearing, Reiki, some of the more esoteric things. If I talk about spirituality, people might think of things like tarot cards, smudging, um, metaphysical things. Um, And if I talk about therapy, people are thinking of things like psychotherapy, CBT. Now, all these things have value. But if they were enough, I wouldn't be so busy because my work is actually introducing something that I think is sorely lacking around spiritual and um, sexual awareness in the body. A lot of people don't know what that means. And so I'm just going to explain a little bit this, that this is some of the stuff that's coming from bleeding edge neuroscience, neuropsychology. So it's not common knowledge yet. I think that part of the reason why we've been limited in our understanding around this is that our models of healing Um, especially in the West, have a blind spot in them that there's not enough awareness of what I call the energetic dance between people in terms of community, in terms of containership. Healing up to now has sort of been treated as an individual thing. 
you have an issue, you go off and you work on yourself. It's seen as, you know, go figure it out, either with therapy, one-on-one therapy, or with a book, or maybe long walks on the beach, solitary, and those all have value. But I'm noticing that the fullness of what's possible for people doesn't kick in until there is a recognition of the dance between relationship, because that's usually where the wound is. What I mean by that is if you've been deeply hurt, whether it's something blew up, you know, whether it's a job that went awry or a relationship blew up or something like that, 99 out of 100 times, the wounding is coming through relationship in some way. Someone wasn't honest with you, you were misled, whatever. And so that does something to somebody's energetic state in the body. And I'm not talking so much about meridians at this point. This, I think this is where people try to get technical. You know, is it the liver meridian or is it the kidney meridian? And I have not found that discussion around embodiment to be as useful as a more general feeling, if you may, about this energetic dance in the body. There is a circuit that moves. If you want to get technical, we could say move through all the chakras, but I would rather just, just a feeling that there is a general movement, a dance of the body, and the way it moves in terms of processing trauma or setting boundaries, whatnot. And it is tied to people's sexual energy. It, by that, it, what I mean is that it's tied to a sense of existing. That's what your sexual energy is. It's beyond heart energy or what people sometimes perceive as spiritual experiences. That embodiment doesn't think. It doesn't really know what spirituality is in terms of a concept. It doesn't understand um, attachment theory. It doesn't have a narrative about what's going on in the room. Embodiment is an experience of the moment. It's very sensual-oriented. And when there has been trauma, this part of the body is usually knocked off-center. And But this part of the body, this feeling of being alive, is is so central to a sense of life being worth living, the juiciness of things, that things can feel awesome for no reason at all other than you're just totally grooving that shade of purple over there. It's very sensual, and it doesn't speak like the mind. So if the mind is cranking, it's processing, trying to figure out something. But this part of you is completely underneath that layer altogether. Even when the mind tries to think about its body's energy, it tries to think about what the first and second chakra mean, I'm going to clear this. It's a very, many of our models are still very psychological oriented. Even when we're trying to talk about something not psychological. And I think this is why my work has been so useful for people because I'm not interested in the psychological analyses of things. Most of the times when people come to me, they've already done tons of therapy, self-help, 
reading books. And it gets to the point where, from my po- a point, um, point of view, it can actually be a little bit toxic because people are constantly trying to understand themselves in terms of why I am this and why I am that. When the back door that might be so much more simple and easy might be a connection back to a feeling of being alive. Now, there are certain embodiment practices that are very good for this. Obviously, on a podcast, it's very difficult to show. But I just want to let you know that this is, if this type of work could be more integrated with prayer, psychotherapy, business coaching, all these other things that people do, I think people would see tremendous results. We just don't have enough coaches and therapists and all that 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 know what this is. Because it's not something that can be taught. It has to be experienced first. It has to be absorbed by whoever that is so that it's integrated into their nervous system such that whoever they're sitting with in the room can kind of sip and taste it and get a feeling for it. So it's not a technique of working with a meridian or I'm going to balance this meridian against that meridian or I'm going to take this homeopath or I'm going to say this affirmation or I'm going to focus on this visualization or I'm going to say the rosary. Like all these things, are they all have value. Everything has value. But they're not enough. And so I see the bleeding edge of what's coming in from psychotherapy very exciting It means that to be good at this work requires a much deeper understanding of presence, of energy, and also of containership. Because like I said at the top of the broadcast, right now, too many of our models are very individualist focused. And this is a blind spot because I think our culture, at least in the West, has adopted very individualist mindsets that people should be able to just solve themselves independent of what's going on around them. That, you know, that these things, that the things that are happening around us are, are somehow separate from what the individual is dealing with. And I think this does everyone a huge disservice because there are often very good reasons why people are anxious, stressed, depressed, that have nothing to do with their brain chemistry, has nothing to do with really their thinking per se. It is a natural stress response to a very distressful, very distressed, dysfunctional system that we're all living in. And if that is not incorporated and recognized on the healing path, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, um, the impact on the body. It, I think it drives people a little bit nuts because it sets up the expectation that, you know, if I'm not working the system, I'm not, I'm not getting any better. But there are very good reasons why you might be anxious. And until those are included, and that requires a much broader grasp of context a much broader grasp of context in in terms of why people are where they're at. This is going to demand a lot more awareness, 
from people in the field that I feel is sorely lacking right now. This means taking into account histories. People did not just end up, end up on the planet one day and, and just, there's, there are family histories, there's cultural reasons that it's, it's not just being literate. It's feeling that energetic in the body without trying to change it. You know, it's, it's like a recognition. It's like the person in front of you has 10 billion more colors than you're giving them credit for. And when people are invited to share more of their colors onto this palette of art, that there's this so-called life that they're building, this stew that they're cooking, without saying, oh, well, that was then, this is now, or you don't need to be thinking about that, or this model that everybody fits a certain demographic, which in spiritual development tends to be very narrow, at least in the West. It's the spiritual inquiry marketplace targets a specific type of person. And if you don't fit that demographic, you can feel a little out of place. So this, this means understanding different um, psychographics, cultural things that requires everyone to look a little bit deeper inside on all the colors that are around us historically and yes, politically. And this is where a lot of healing practitioners really squirm. There's this idea that, oh, I don't go there. You know, I love everyone and I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to say too much about this way or that way. I'm just going to be a new, neutral. The problem with that is that it, it, it puts a, a narrative over everything that the, makes a client feel like they can't go certain places without a certain complacent response back or even a condescending, oh, you're in your negative beliefs or whatever, because the practitioner hasn't gone there to really feel out why do people feel the way they do and not paint everyone with a very broad stroke full of caricatures or whatever, that this is why people are anxious. So if you're trying to rewire a dance, an energetic dance of relationship, one person's sitting in trauma and the other person is completely clueless on all the things that might be going on with the person in front of them, and they only want to talk about focusing on the positive, they only want to talk about limiting beliefs. They only want to talk about law of attraction. Or they only want to talk about Jesus. Or they only want to talk about this particular zinc pill. It does everyone a disservice. Because it's sort of splintering people. Instead of saying, hey, all of these things are important. And what is the song in you that's trying to be sung right now? And I'm a container that you need a place where it's totally safe to push, it, push back, to argue, to get snitty, instead of being so appropriately spiritual or put together. Most of my clients suffer because they've never been allowed to really squirm and argue and debate to find their own voice. That this dance of pushing back 
instead of sitting back and being nodding and being appropriate and saying, yeah, you're right. Something has been lost. This is um, what's being known in the work that I'm doing. It's called the bite snap response. That is so instinctive amongst animals. When something doesn't feel right, animals know a certain bite snap response to restore a sense of boundary, safety, whatever. And humans have lost this out of a culture of trying to be nice. So people spend their lives trying to nice their way to get what they want. When you know the sexual energy was meant to have a certain fire in there of yes or no, and not just, well, whatever. Because that fire is very juicy. It's sensual. It is a compass that points north, go this way, so that all decisions can feel a little bit more, it's almost like this force within you starts to help you just know what the next step is. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a trance, but it's, you don't have to think as hard because the body starts to know what a yes is. It knows what a no is. Oftentimes, even before the mind has had time to crank it out and answer. And there's a certain stability in that when you can trust what you're feeling. If you can't trust what you're feeling because you're not attached to the sexual energy, everything becomes a psychological pros and cons. Let me think it over. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of analysis. It's a lot of going down through rabbit holes. Life was never meant to be a constant self-improvement project. There is a vast difference in the energetic field between a model of growth versus a model of I need to work on myself and fix and improve myself. And right now, most people are subconsciously in the second group forever trying to improve or, or self-help or fix themselves alone. Because growth requires a, a very different muscle of engagement with another. And you will find more of that when you can bite snap with another who ha- can hold a container and not feel so devastated. How dare you disagree with me? Oh my gosh, I'm such a, I'm a you know, you can't say that to me. We're very fragile people. This does everyone a disservice. The over-nicing has created a culture of very fragile people who are afraid to be themselves with bite-snap fire because we are afraid of this power. There is a lot of fire in there. Sexual energy has a lot of fire, but there is a way to be lit and contained. So it doesn't just bounce off the walls bombastically. That's what people are afraid of. They're afraid, oh my God, I'm going to explode. If I, you know, I feel this anger, what if I just lose my top? Because they haven't learned yet what it feels like to hold the fire and have it contained. Because when people learn to do that, the response they get from other people who engage with them when they're biting and snapping and saying no, radically different. It does not have to sever and destroy relationships like what everyone is afraid of. I can't say no. Well, you can think right now. The people around you 
already know you're not perfect, right? Have they run screaming from the room? Have they cut off all relationships with you? Probably not. So we know from real life experience that if you aren't perfect, people won't stop loving you. So you at least have that to go on to say, you know, if I can be more myself, are people really going to drop me like hot potatoes? And that may be a fear that you have. It's possible, but it's more likely that the more alive you are and can bite snap to just like an animal to say, okay, that's my boundary right there, that people start to know more who you are. People are very attracted to people that are lit, that are alive. Not necessarily nice, but alive. It's very attractive to be around someone where you feel very clear where their yes and their no is. You have a strong sense of what they really stand for. Oh my gosh, that is, it's very comforting to people. It's not a people-pleasing energy. It's very much of, this is who I am. And there's not a sense of, if you wouldn't mind. And it's also not a sense of, I'm here to destroy you, which is what people th- often think. If, there's, if they show too much of that energy, people will be offended. Not necessarily. Not if it's contained. Now, is it possible? Sure. But you won't know till you try it. So I hope this gives you some food for thought of where I think the industry is heading I think it's about time, because without this awareness, coaching is limited. Psychotherapy is limited. All these healing arts, they they can only go so far without a deeper appreciation of embodiment, energy, and the dance with the other in containment, that we cannot keep going this way, that people are expected to heal and solve all their problems alone with a book. If they could have, they would have. And I can't tell you how many times people want me to give them a book. Hey, Adele, you sound great. What book do you recommend? I'm like, that's the problem. You need to engage with someone to find your voice. And it needs to be the right person who understands sexual energy and containment so that you can find yours and turn on. So, as usual, if you found this episode interesting... I welcome a subscribe to this channel, share this with a friend, send me your comments. Um, If you want to set up a conversation with me, the information's available. You can click a link to book a time with me to see if we're a good fit. And until next time, rock on.